0: This week on A Lively Experiment, a big week in state government with the inauguration of the state's general officers and another session of the General Assembly, and the continued stalemate in the U.S. House of Representatives. What will it mean in the long run?
1: A Lively Experiment is generously underwritten by... Hi, I'm John Hazen White Jr. For over 30 years, A Lively
2: Experiment has provided insight and analysis of the political issues that face Rhode Islanders.
0: I'm a proud supporter of this great program in Rhode Island PBS. Joining us on the panel, Brown University political science professor, Wendy Schiller, Boston Globe columnist, Dan McGowan, and former state representative, Mike Marcello. Hello and welcome to our first program for 2023. I'm Jim Hummel and it's great to be back with you this week. It was a packed week politically here and in Washington. Governor McKee was sworn into his first full term as governor Tuesday at the Rhode Island Convention Center. During his 13-minute speech, he gave us a taste of what to expect from his administration. Here's a little bit of what he
1: said. I think I have the longest transition in the history of a governor to a four-year term. (laughs) Rhode Island... This is our time, this is our moment, it is our turn, and I need your help to make sure we make the most of it. Each and every Rhode Islander has a role to play in this next chapter. And as your governor, I'm asking you to do the work with us. And to begin that work, we're starting with our Rhode Island 2030 plan and these three goals. First, investing in all of us and ensuring Rhode Islanders have the skills to get good paying jobs. Second, raising education outcomes for our children to reach Massachusetts levels by 2030. And finally, creating healthier Rhode Island where we reduce illness and improve health outcomes for all of us. It'll be a challenge. Challenges are worth the effort. But I know Rhode Island is up for the task.
0: So, Wendy, let's start with you. It sounded more like a state-of-the-state speech, but it's an inauguration. He's going to be doing state-of-the-state later in the month. Uh, General Impressions, I know you were watching this. You were doing analysis for Channel 10. Yeah, I
3: mean, I I thought the governor gave a relatively polished speech. Uh, He's grown into this job since he took over sort of rather abruptly. Uh, and you can tell he's gained more confidence. Certainly, winning a tough primary and then winning a tough election, um, I think he's gained confidence. He feels like he's settled in, and um, and he's laying out an agenda. And you can quibble about who's going to have more power—the general assembly uh, or or the governor—because we know constitutionally, general assembly is pretty powerful. Uh, but the, I think the goals he set out were were doable. Uh, and clear, and, uh, you know, uh, as a Rhode Islander, I'm hoping that he takes that confidence and momentum and really follows up on what he says he wants to do.
4: Yeah, I mean, he's clearly, he's, I I think you just nailed it. He's much more confident for good reason, right, when you really uh, run away with your your general election, um, where lots of people thought it was going to be very close. So, you know, he's feeling very good. Kids would say he's feeling himself, right? He's feeling good about himself. Um, That goal of the, you know, Reaching Massachusetts education levels was one that he kind of proposed for the first time on election night after his victory speech. It was the first time you really heard him use that, you know, quantify it in some way. Um, it's going to be very difficult to do, right? Massachusetts is going to get better too, right? Mm. And so um, I think it's a real challenge. I think with Providence schools and, and the control that you cannot raise, you cannot get to Massachusetts levels without raising scores exponentially in Providence schools we have not seen a real clear plan yet for how to do that there yet and so I have some questions about it but I I admire the ambition I love covering education I hope that we do get there It it would raise all of our uh value
2: I think it's going to be important for him to have a good relationship with the General Assembly to reach that goal and historically, the General Assembly kind of meddles in the education reform that we try to do. We, we, they pass it, then they, they call it, they pull it The standardized it back.
0: task, yeah, we're yeah. Do it, we're not going to do you it. You know,
2: right. I, re- I remember we, every year we are going to evaluate teachers, the, the, the Department of Ed put that out, and then all of a sudden we pass a law, no, you don't have to do that. If you're an ex- excellent teacher, you can skip every two years. So he's going to need a good relationship with the General Assembly to get that through. I think he does have a good relationship with the General Assembly. I think they're, you know, eager to
0: start working with him. Having sat in that chamber for many years, Mike, it's a, it's a nice dilemma to have, so much money. Money. at the same time a lot of people want that pie. Right. So if you're sitting in that chamber right now, what are you thinking going into this session?
2: Well, I mean there's going to be competing priorities. Obviously there are there are those people who want to put a, a tax cut through um, and those are probably the more conservative Democrats and then there are the more liberal side who want to spend more on, on housing, on homelessness, on uh, some of the social programs. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a battle. Um, I think the governor uh, rightly proposed uh, sales tax uh, relief. I think two-thirds of the states have already passed some type of tax relief uh, because of the huge surpluses they're having. So I think it it's, I think it would be a good
0: idea to try to you know, change the sales
2: tax and lower it over, I even, even over time. I
0: haven't heard mm-hmm. a number yet, and I don't mean to put you yeah. on the spot, but if you ra- if you lowered it to six and a quarter or whatever, do you have any idea what that translates to in dollars? I don't think the number's been released. That? No, it has not been released, but, I
4: mean, it's got to be – I mean, hundreds of millions, tens of, dollars, of millions, right? if it's not certainly hundreds. tens of millions, yeah. And
3: then you also, I mean, what I don't agree with is we have a truck toll suspension, and I was in favor of the truck tolls, and so I, that that fed the money that we have to match the federal government on infrastructure. And then if you're going to also, McKee has uh, recommended reducing the sales tax on gasoline tax by a couple yeah, yeah. of pennies, but that matters per you know per gallon. So when you're thinking about that, you're starting to lose some serious money that's used for roads and highways and bridges, and we've got a lot of work left to do. And when you're thinking about education, it's also infrastructure. You have to have a a, a safe neighborhood. You have to have stable housing. You have to be able to feed kids. I mean, uh, we do a pretty good job of that, but I mean, there's all sorts of other things that go with uh, excellence in schools. Mm -hmm. And so unless it's a comprehensive plan- then I don't know how it works. You can't just put it all on the teachers. It's it's a, a community based. It's parental. It's it's home based.
4: The other the other thing that you have at the state house is the governor is not the only person who's feeling very good about himself right now. We sat down with uh, uh, Senate President Ruggiero a couple weeks ago. Not exactly your best interviewer historically, right? He's usually very tight. Reads off of his words nobody is more confident about themselves right now than Dominic Ruggiero, who just come up, comes across, wins an easy primary, solidifies his chamber. He's feeling very good about himself. He's kind of got his agenda that he wants to get done. Um, I think that aligns a little bit more with tax cuts, things like that. And then Speaker Shikarchi wins a primary with, I think, almost 80% of the vote from the left, wins from the right, you know, again, uh, against someone on the right in his general election. So th- everybody's feeling very good about themselves, and there are different priorities. I think Speaker Shikarchi's already signaled that. He might have some concerns about cutting the sales tax, and so it's going to be. It, it, there will be a fight up there. Uh, to this some, and the Senate
2: has indicated they want to look at the school funding formula, which that's was right. put in about 10 years ago. So that's going to be. A, going to be a battle there too, and, yep. and, and with the new majority leader in the Senate, and that was one of his priorities when he was the finance chair. He looked at that. They had a, a, a study commission. How we how we dole out this education aid. So that's going to play into that as well. But
0: I think you have some Rhode Islanders saying, we have a $600 million surplus, we have a a billion dollars of ARPA money, which has been accounted for. But Mike, you look at it, and so the sales tax, I think, is a tangible thing. But that gas tax cut—it's not a cut. He's keeping it from going up another three cents. So some people are saying in Massachusetts. I was listening to the Charlie Baker leaving. He—they sent checks back to people, and I know it's on a much larger scale. Yeah,
3: except except I don't want to interrupt you. Massachusetts just passed a a four percent. 4% 4% tax on people with incomes over a million dollars. And if you're progressive and you say, well, they're rich, whatever. But if you think about small business owners and, like, their general income stream, you know, that's, if my math is right, it's $40,000 tax. So, I mean, this race to be like Massachusetts all the time... It's becoming Massachusetts, so I, I'm not quite sure yeah, if we want to go na- in that direction. Don't you think the you
2: is should to coin recruit. that
3: term?
0: I've never heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think
2: that's why the governor is looking at that. What's going on up north of the border and yeah. saying, let's 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 make us more competitive. Let's let, But know, do you think the there's a,
0: there's a yeah. there's a thought that boy those storm clouds, those financial storm clouds, are going to be in the out years? We're flush now, so when you talk about stuff like free Ripta, free Ripta, that gets baked in almost like free uh, taxpayers subsidized C C R I. So if you go that far, then when you're in the out years, that gets baked in. And do you think in the in the chamber and the leadership, they're hesitant to go that far because they know ultimately it's going to go yes, south?
2: Yes, but I think they would like to have some kind of wholesale reform of the sales tax because that's going to stay with the ever, and we'll, they'll know what the revenue stream that produces, and so they can kind of build their budgets around that. But you know, I think it's good to have a reduction in the sales tax because that's going to help everybody. And sales tax reductions help pretty much the the, the lower income in, individuals who buy more. I mean, they you know if you're rich and you know, you know they and, do the,
3: and and for infrastructure. Thinking about uh, economic development, having people be able to ride the bus for free if they're taking the bus to work is better for the environment it's also good for low income people who are trying to work and students who are trying to go to a job you know after school i mean it, it makes I'm sense i'm not as saying a public i'm against investment. it i'm
0: just saying if you commit to that then you can't 2 years it's from now oh it's not a huge right. dollar yeah. amount right. and ccri I mean, ultimately was not that el- but in you're right i mean amount. what i think what
4: you're speaking to is is once you have something that people like you right. can't take it away right. Right? right and so if people really when like when the
0: economy goes south you still it, yeah exactly can. i
4: think one of the things that's speaker shikarchi has been really clear about people aren't everybody's focusing on big numbers and and how do you you give it back how do you spend it Speaker Shikarchi keeps saying look there are lots of pilot programs we've implemented the last couple of years this is going to be a year to kind of take a look what works what doesn't maybe we make some changes there i don't think he wants to have another kind of ambitious year um before they figure out what they can afford four five ten years from now
0: We've seen affordable housing. They've all. I think the the allocation and the execution have been two different things because the governor. We haven't had you on since the whole homeless situation, and and they've allocated 250 million dollars. That just stuff doesn't get done overnight. Plus the workforce, they couldn't find people to run the thing at the armory. So just writing a check doesn't do it always. So I'm curious what's going to happen in the next two years on the execution of the affordable well, housing. And
3: that's a, a, a great. Uh, I think construction trades, Rhode Island's always stepped up, and there's plenty people who are working, but we still have under uh, underemployment in the sense that there are people who, you know, aren't working. They're just not taking jobs or they're not being paid well enough. And we have also a crisis in our our, our, our rehab facilities, our nursing homes, uh, you know, home care providers. You know, there's a workforce issue here. So you can want to build and spend and, and provide services, but there aren't people right now who are stepping forward in big enough numbers to fill those jobs. That's another big problem. That's also true of the state house. I mean, the budget for the government is, is lower than it should be because we've got vacancies even in state government.
4: Yeah, I think the state says, the uh, post-secondary commissioner says by 2030, you're going to need 72%. 72% of all jobs will require some form of uh, credential beyond high school. Currently, we're about 52% in that range. So you've got to do something to get to that, you know, that 70% range because, uh, unfortunately, it's, it's almost, it, you're exactly right, the unemployment rate, 3.6%. But it's, it's not exactly like, the, it, it's not exactly meaningful because a lot of people are working in jobs where they're not making enough money to, you know,
0: to live. This is the most diverse General Assembly we've had in a long time. And look, Speaker Matt Elio had to deal with the uh, the female senators er, and reps a couple years ago on the abortion bill and then some of the progressives. I wonder the diversity is good. But at the end of the day, how, how that does that change the dynamic in the General so, Assembly? So
2: when I'm, you know, some of my friends still stop there, there's really hasn't been an opportunity to bond over the last couple of years because of covid. So now they've got a class, a new class coming in this, this year and then they had a class two years ago. So mm-hmm. this is the first time they're all actually kind of be meeting, you know, regularly together. It's going to be interesting, but I think, I think that, you know, there was no speaker's race. I think that bells well for the, for the, uh, speaker. Um, I do think that some of the more progressive, um, um, people who got elected, particularly from Providence, they'll start to, you know, push a little bit more on some of the issues. But at the end of the day, they don't have all the votes that they need yet. So it's uh, it's, I mean, it's going to be interesting.
3: There's also, I mean, in terms of spending, there's a lot of things you want to do. But in terms of codification, the, the federal Congress passed uh, marriage equality. That was David Cicilline was an original sponsor of that bill, Congressman Cicilline. So in terms of protecting same-sex marriage and those rights, those seem now pretty well codified to some extent. Abortion funding will
2: probably, Medicaid, a, a portion so of this funding will be the, big. Yeah, the I state,
3: f- so, the, so I think people don't always know, and, and of course you already know this, is that the state for Medicaid, it's the state fund for Medicaid, not the federal dollars we get for Medicaid, because right. the, there's still a prohibition on using federal dollars for, for funding abortion. So And I don't, I don't think we have to worry about a stream of people coming to Rhode Island to take advantage of that, because we're surrounded by states who are also covering it. So I don't think that's a, a legitimate concern, but that's something progressives are going to want to see. They, they're
2: they're going to want to see that right away, right. I, and I think the speaker's already indicated that he'd be looking at, uh, yeah. that was a campaign And issue. the
3: governor mentioned that, too, that yeah. he yeah. was in mean, the, the budget. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Dan, new mayor, new uh, city council in Providence. is going to be interesting, because you have Brett Smiley is not necessarily aware <laughs> Rachel Miller is, but they're going to have to work together. Yeah, I think you're going to be, I think Providence becomes kind of the hot place to
4: work right now for in government. I think Brett Smiley's, you know, I, I think he's a guy who is, uh, he comes from that sort of the elitist kind of the Gina Raimondo world of politics. So I think he's somebody who, uh, you know, had made a lot of friends on the campaign trail beforehand. Um, he's somebody who is who already has the experience in providence to some degree so i, I think he, he he has the I think he has the ear of a lot of the you know the the ceos in this state things like that i think it you're doesn't gonna, take
0: him six months to figure out what the bathroom is he's it, hitting 100%, the ground running, right? i think
4: the the challenge becomes yeah that city council which is much further to the left the only thing i would say is that city council president rachel miller uh she, she knows how to cut a deal she's pragmatic she's somebody who you know she represents the federal hill neighborhood <laughs> it's changed a lot over the years but she's that's an old school political neighborhood she knows how to play this game she's going to push on issues like you know reforming the way they give tax deals and things like that but you're not going to see I mean I think everybody hears she's a socialist which she identifies as and says oh my god they're going to defund the police they're not going to defund the police we need
0: votes to do that
4: and they don't have the votes and she has no interest in doing that either
3: she's also I think has a pretty good relationship as far as I can tell with labor Mm -hmm. so I think you know being yes, so right. close to labor, and labor is usually, you know, pretty uh, uh, progressive on economic issues, but not always so progressive on social issues, mm-hmm. and that's what I mean about sort of the social issues seem to be, at the moment, fairly settled in Providence and the state of Rhode that's Island. Right. So so she doesn't have to spend capital on that, and that makes her able to stay close to labor in a way that uh, maybe she couldn't well, have earlier. They
2: always talk during the campaign from some of the city council members about rent reform and rent, rent caps. That's going to be interesting if that, that, that comes up.
4: I um, think that's right. I yeah. think it's one of those areas where that's where the mayor will yeah. we'll look to the state and say, "Hey, can you guys maybe uh, impose some sort of, uh, you know, so he doesn't have to ban deal with on this or know. something like I mean,
2: that." you know, Brett's a young, young, young mayor, uh, but he's been around state government and city government. He knows his stuff. Very, very, I went to his inauguration; very exciting, yeah. exciting time for a lot of people are excited about it. And you know, I, I, he's a technocrat, right? He he knows how to, you know. Push the buttons well, but, and, and make things. He, that's what he does. I mean, that, he he said mm-hmm. we want to make this, the city of Providence the best city in America. And what do you does that? What does that mean? Good schools, pick you up plow the, garbage, the streets. Right. You pick up. The, you have safe pick up streets. The pick up the garbage and you plow the streets. Mm-hmm. And those are you, attainable goals. Do you obviously. Remove, well, that's
3: the, the big question mark. Yeah. Our first blizzard. You know, yeah. he's got to be on it. He better for be rain, it'll
4: rain, it'll rain it'll for the rest <laughs> of the season. It completely <laughs> gets blown. If you have a bad snowstorm, <laughs> then no one cares oh,
0: about your bad. You know, education. Yes,
3: Jane Byrne, 40 years ago. Now,
0: now Mr. Uh, McGowan and I take big exception. We we, uh, differ on the speed humps. (laughs) I'm Uh, all for him. He is Mr. (laughs) Speed Uh. Hump. What do you think, Miss Providence uh, resident? Can I
3: just say, when I, was, when I was first driving in high school, I had my uh, parents' Chrysler K station wagon, and I went over a speed bump too quickly and cracked an oil pan, and it took me months to work off the bill to fix that. So I am forever really wary of speed bumps. I understand the cars have changed. Uh, these are but humps. I'm know, sorry, know, these are humps. But they can still kill but- the bottom of an old car, so just go slow. I hate them, but I understand John why slow. they're necessary. But
0: what about the but the bike paths? Especially down on South Main, He is... Crack the door a little bit to say maybe this wasn't such a he good idea. He wants to come
4: across as a, as a guy who's going to be very friendly to business, which makes complete sense. I don't think you're going to see a major change on the, the bike lanes. look si- feel have
3: bike yeah, lanes. It's not that big of a people, deal. He walk around with pedestrian bridges in Providence and stuff, people have figured out how to park in the middle of the street. Yeah. So I don't know if he has to waste his All time right, on that. All right, before
0: we get to uh, national, we've got a lot to talk about with everything going on in Washington. Link Ahmed, I just wanted to. Uh, yeah,
2: I mean, wow, what a loss to Rhode Island. Uh, you know, a real steadfast governor. Um, person of integrity, you know, ran ran governor. You know, was a former just attorney. You know, spotless record, no no corruption under him. I mean, it was just it's it's sad to see him go and. Uh, but I think he'll be, be remembered in Rhode Island as a very uh, a good caretaker t- of state government.
0: He was, you know, he succeeded Bruce Sundland, which every it was almost like Buddy Sancy. Every press conference he went to, you had fifteen sound bites. But Ahmed was boring in a good way, and I remember, I mean, never a whiff of uh, scandal at all. And I remember doing a profile for him when I was at ABC Six on him when he was running the second time, and I said, "So, Governor, well, what do you like to do in your off time?" And he says, "Well, you know, Marilyn and I love to go to the beach. I love to get in my bathing suit, and I didn't." <laughs> Hear anything else he said after that interview? I had a vision like he's smoking a cigarette down at Scarborough. But he was, you know, he drove himself when he was the federal prosecutor. There were no spokesmen. He said, "Come to the new, you know, come to my office in half an hour. We'll tell you about the." Yeah, I would have liked
4: to have covered him because of for those reasons. I mean, yeah. what a great career as a as a prosecutor, right? You come yeah. through you know, two stints as U.S. attorney. You get to be essentially under all the Republicans, you know, prior to uh, to. Bush Jr. Um, but, you know, he also benefited from a great economy in the 90s, right? right? So so he, the being a boring governor, it was a perfect time to be a boring governor because, you know, people were doing much, much better than they had
2: done, you know, in, in those early 90s. Of the, and the, that brand, the brand of the Republican 80s. Party, which he came from, they're not longer in Rhode Island anymore, right? I yeah. mean, you know, he had a viable campaign. There was other people running with him as a ticket, strong yeah. ticket, and you don't see that anymore. And worked right. with the General
0: yeah. Assembly, yeah. you know, for, I think he and Kachiri both, they may have vetoed their first budgets because they were upset about something they didn't have line item, but they learned how to work with each other enough to get reelected once. Did he Was he here before you came to the state? Did no, you I any? mean, I
3: was here when he got elected governor. I was here for that campaign. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, he just struck me as someone who was trying to work to repair the image of Rhode Island as being a corrupt yep. state. And I think that he was a prosecutor and he had no scandal helped push Rhode Island uh, better in that direction.
0: Wendy, let's stay with you. Washington, uh, as of this taping <laughs> on Friday morning, it could change by the time you watch this. Kevin McCarthy is 0 for 11, not such a great batting average. Um, how does this play out?
3: I, nobody really knows how it plays out. I mean, my, my I suspect that eventually if McCarthy cannot get over the, the threshold, then Steve Scalise, the second in command, probably really? steps up and probably says, okay, I'll do it. And I think that that breaks. And then the people who are opposing McCarthy because they don't like him personally, uh, can claim victory. And then they've gotten all these concessions. Scalise is a, an, you know, a Republican from Louisiana. Those are tough people. So I'm not sure how that will go out. But McCarthy won't give in yet. And he shouldn't give in yet. You know, there are 201 uh, members of his caucus that vote for him consistently. That's a huge majority in the party. And they don't wanna be held hostage to these 20 people for the rest of the next two years. Uh, but for every day that they are voting on Speaker, they are not having a hearing on Joe Biden or Hunter Biden's uh, laptop. And that is a problem for their momentum going into 23 and 24.
2: So remember, I think four years ago, Nancy Pelosi uh, was elected and uh, she only had a five vote majority and she was able to pull it together uh, and, and you know, run run the House. This is kind of getting to be embarrassing now um, and I love the Republicans saying, well, this is how it should work. It's all out in the open. We have no idea what kind of deals they're cutting in the back room, right? I mean, and if Scalise <laughs> gets it,
0: what deal I mean, right. does he have to cut those
2: and, deals? And do right? you want it? I mean, yeah. after those deals, do you really want it? I mean, to, to, I think the problem is he, even if McCarthy wins, if they allow mm-hmm. one member to call a vote of no confidence on the speaker – that's going to happen more often than not. Yeah. And it's just going and to, you're to be gonna very difficult bogged to down with you get that bagged down on exactly.
0: The vote, so. Yeah, the
4: other thing, I mean, if you go back a couple of years with Paul Ryan, right, he was the reluctant speaker, right? But from all accounts, it was, he had to essentially be begged to be the speaker and everybody agreed to generally coalesce around him. What I don't see, and, and I think you're right, I think Steve Scalise is probably the logical next choice. The thing is, is that I think those 20, or at least a large number of the kind of dissident 20, I don't know that they're going to be really willing to cut a deal because they're showing they've got some power here.
3: Well, I mean, if you're if you're Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, you've just come off a midterm election that was much better for the Democrats than anyone expected. The best in 40 years for an incumbent Democratic president uh, in terms of loss of seats. You've held the Senate. Uh, you're going to get all your judicial nominees and fill as many vacancies as you can. Uh, you've got, uh, a, a, the economy is doing better than everybody thought. So, you know, you're riding the wave, and you're just waiting for them to get their act together. And if they don't get their act together, then they're much less of an opposition force to him than they could be. Uh, I think if you're Ron DeSantis or even Donald Trump sitting on the sideline. You're thinking, wait a minute, we are blowing this opportunity. Let's get it done. So it's got it's got to get fixed eventually. I mean, this is a you know, this is a significant operational problem for the federal government. Did
0: you tell me that Biden's actually ahead on the federal judges from where yeah, Trump he's slightly was? That stunned ahead me when Trump. you told me yeah, that. Yeah,
3: so he's slightly ahead of where Donald Trump was just by a few Because judges. that was one of
0: Trump's. I mean, clearly the Supreme Court's a big deal, but the federal judges is in some way even a bigger
3: well, The circuit
2: deal. Yeah, so court the circuit courts are very important. Yeah, know, yeah so he's,
3: he's he's a little bit ahead. I think he's a couple of judges ahead right now. Uh, there aren't that many vacancies left on the district court, the first level of the federal court, and the circuit court of appeals. There are not that many. So there's no question he can get this done with the Senate, as it is, but it's a pretty slim majority. So you're going to see a slew of nominations go through in the next six months uh, for Biden. And, then, and just as Trump did, he will reshape the judiciary. But now you've got people who are Bush appointees, Bush Jr., you've got Obama, you've got Trump, and you're going to have Biden uh, with even some Clinton holdovers which is good for the judiciary you want to have a bunch Balance, of judges yeah. uh, that yeah. are balanced out and but if, you know if you think about the you think about the filibuster uh, in the Senate and reforming the filibuster which is the big thing that the presses wanted to do now you're looking at the House of Representatives and all they want is more power to voice their concerns to obstruct to object and be part of the legislative process what they're asking for honestly is actually quite legitimate on the part of legislators uh, it just seems to break It's it's, it's breaking with what we've the, seen the problem is,
2: is that there's really two Republican parties Parties, right, it's a, it's a. I call it the very, very conservative right wing, and then the, you know, the, the more country. You can go rebellious. ahead and call them the
0: crazies. <laughs> well, I didn't want to, call them, crazy, to call them but the crazy, want
2: to call them, but I But I mean, really, if this can't get solved in the next week or two, like really, you have to wonder what's going to happen to the Republican Party at the national level. I think they're ready to be a split. I do think that eventually there'll be a split.
3: Well, and I think if people worry about polarization. Just really quickly, you know, we're all divided. We're all divided. Well, we saw in this election people split their tickets. Voters are smarter than anybody gives them credit for, and I think that this showing this split will sort of. Break uh, break that hold on, you know, fierce polarization. All right, let's go to uh,
0: outrages and or kudos, Dan. Let's begin with you. Uh, my outrage is the uh,
4: the racket that is uh, inauguration fundraising yeah. uh, in Providence in particular. That started
0: with Alorza, didn't it? That's, the foundation.
4: It, it goes it goes back a. Co- I mean, look, governors and mayors have always raised money for their their uh, inauguration. The difference is in the governor's case, in Governor Mckee's case, Governor Romano was like this. They raise their money. If there's excess funds, they give it to you know the food pantry or whatever. They they, they don't. Alorzo was flying to Hawaii. That and in this case, Brett Smiley, uh, who I think is going to be a good mayor, raised three. $350,000 for his inauguration he's going to keep he's going to hold on That's to, a lot of finger sandwiches He's going to hold on to about hundred and fifty thousand dollars of it and use it However, he pleases as a as the mayor and the problem with this is is who gives the money? It's the biggest owners the the company that has the school busing contract That's a 20 million dollar contract the janitorial contract. It is In any other world we would we would say that that is that should be criminal uh, it's not that it isn't, but it, but it, it there has to be some sort of uh, change, and it probably have to come from the state level to, you know, have more reporting on this at least uh, to, uh, to disclose it because we do this in fundraising, right, in campaign fundraising. That's a good one,
2: Mike. What do you have? So mine is going to be a kudos. We just came off uh, uh, inaugurating a bunch of people from governor all the way down to city school committee members. So I just want to congratulate all those people who got elected and. You know, without their help and without their participation, we wouldn't have a democracy. So I want to just kudos to all those people who are recently elected, recently sworn in, and wish them well for the new year.
0: And Mike, we welcome you back. Mike, we had a little hiatus because he bumped (laughs) his head and ran for local council again. Mike has been in and out of situate politics for many years, so it's nice to have you you back. Wendy, what do you have?
3: Um, I agree, and uh, congratulations to smooth elections. No problems with the elections. Um, I'm going to follow up on on Dan's point, uh, payday lending. We have seen this over and over again. We are an obscene... Uh, outlier in the country on how much money we allow these the payday lenders to charge people who are desperate in a lot of cases who are low income at the very marginal levels of our society who need cash and we allow them to charge exorbitant interest and there is no moral justification for this you know you can cap it at a very high rate which is what it you know could be but having it you know 200 or 260 yeah. percent right. is immoral yeah you know and, who and represents the payday lenders the former speaker, former speaker of the house, of the house. Yeah. that's and that's all time, you need to know. You just said, you know, Ruggiero's quite safe, is doing really well and quite safe. It's time for them to step up, take a stand, and, you know, remove that kind of burden on the people who are the most marginalized and get it done this session. What do you think is going to break that log jam? Uh, public shaming and pressure, I hope.
0: Either way. Just quickly, 30 seconds. People have talked about uh, potentially a speaker outside the House. That's probably not going to satisfy the 20 people, right? <laughs>
3: The, the, the fact, the Speaker is a political officer, it's a constitutional officer, and but since the 1880s, it's been a political officer. You have to be able to get people to vote the way you need them to vote right. to make the House function. Someone from the outside is going to have a tough time, unless it's a former retired member who just left. Right. That is somebody who might be able to do it.
0: Okay. That is all the time we have. Folks, the first show in the book. Thank you for joining us. Mike, nice to have you back. And Wendy and Dan, uh, folks. If you don't catch us Friday at seven or Sunday at noon, we are all over social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and our wherever you get your favorite podcast. Check us out there. We archive all of our shows at ripbs.org/lively. Come back next week. A special programming note: We're going to do our annual legislative leadership show. We'll have four people from the General Assembly talking about their priorities and what they're going to look for in the upcoming session. And then we can break it down after that for the, the uh, remaining. Uh, weeks of the session. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week. And join us back here next week as A Lively Experiment continues.
1: A Lively Experiment is generously underwritten by... Hi.